Good afternoon, and welcome back to Deutimus Maximus Helps. If you've never heard this podcast before, what this is is a podcast to try and give a little support for caretakers out there who probably feel like they're on an island all by themselves, even though there's other people out here to support them. Being a caretaker is a very difficult job at times. It can be very frustrating. It can be um, it can be just all-out difficult. It's not easy to take care of somebody, especially knowing what they're going through and you had known them before they were this person who was so sick. I've said it several times before. I'm going to say it again. If you're not sure if you're a caretaker or not, if somebody that is either in your household or in your immediate vicinity who you care about so much has shortcomings and you fill in the needs for those shortcomings, for instance, making doctor's appointments, making sure the medicines are right, making sure they eat, making sure that they drink, uh, making sure they don't take too many pain meds. Uh, There's several different things you do. If you're that person, yes. Yes, you are. You're a caretaker. Um, there's very forms of caretaking. You could be the type of person who t- uh, caretakes for an autistic person or an autistic child. You could be the type of person who takes care of somebody who is a cancer patient. Um, you could be the type of caretaker that this is what happened to me. I was caretaking for all these other symptoms and the cancer thing came out of the blue And before I really got prepared to know exactly what to do, hospice already had to be involved. It was kind of a, it was kind of a fast deal, man. It was like a blur because there was all this hard work put into keeping my wife alive and making sure that things were going right for her. And then all of a sudden this cancer thing just reared its ugly head. And it took from December of one year directly into the beginning of the next year until April 5th. And that was it. That was, that was it. She was gone. Um, it's very difficult to talk about, you know, we tried to have all the conversations we could while she was still alive. We talked about the funeral and the burial and the things she expected. And then there was a bunch of stuff. She made me promise her. I promised I'd take help, take care of her dad. I promised that, you know, I would, um, contact him and stuff. And I also promised that I wouldn't make any rash or fast decisions. And I haven't, I've lived up to all those promises. I promised her I'd run the Memorial Marathon which I did last year. I ran in the 5K and I actually set a pretty good time. So it's not easy being a caretaker, but don't ever lose sight of you. You are the most important resource you have. But if you need other resources, and I've given out several websites and stuff, and I've looked up a couple more. If you're the type of person who who is a caretaker for an autistic person, whether they be um, nonverbal or verbal, to whatever degree of the spectrum they're in, you can go to, if you need help, to autismspeaks.org. And that's spelled A-U-T-I-S-M-S-P-E-A-K-S dot org. All one thing. <clears throat> if you can't get help there, you can go to thecaregiverspace.org. And it's spelled just like it sounds. All one word. T-H-E-C-A-R-E-G-I-V-E-R-S-P-A-C-E. .org, Other outlets are the AutismSociety.org, and that is A-U-T-I-S-M hyphen S-O-C-I-E-T-Y dot org, AutismSociety.org. There's also a place for that has resources, but you have to dig a little deeper. You have to go to Marcus.org, and that's M-A-R-C-U-S dot O-R-G. And then you have to go to uh, Autism Resources, and from there you go to Autism Tips and Resources. And they should have 
some stuff for there that if you didn't know already, it may be something, you know, a little bit of information you'll find that really makes the difference in yours or the person you're caretaking for's life. Hang on just a second. Now, if you're a cancer uh, caretaker, which I started with one thing and ended up a cancer and it was already terminal by the time they found it. So I didn't get to delve too far into this, but these, I looked up some stuff online and this is, um, there's one called this is living with cancer.com. This is all one word. T H I S I S L I V I N G W I T H C A N C E R.com. And then there's the cancer.org and that's C A N C E R.org. And not to be outdone, there's a cancer net that has resources according to the web and that's c-a-n-c-e-r dot n-e-t and then last but not least there's another organization that's called cancercare.org and that's c-a-n-c-e-r-c-a-r-e dot o-r-g if you go if you feel like you need help or you know somebody who listen, who doesn't listen to this podcast but you do and you've heard what I've said share some information with them share the podcast with them make sure that they get the information that they need because once again it is not easy being a caretaker it's quite difficult being a caretaker okay now on to today's subject of did you think we had it easy growing up there was a time in life way before the internet was prevalent. Actually, computers were prevalent. The handheld devices that we all carry around now that they are attached to our hands and it's hard to put, even put them in our back pocket without reaching back within the first 30 seconds of pulling them back out and checking your social media. The time was back in the, the 60s and 70s. And if you stop and think about the, log the, the logical progression of history after the World Wars, uh, World War II especially, it was uh, into 46, 47, 48, 49. And the children that were born then it had the parents that usually came back from the war or had at least been affected by the war, whether it be a parent went over there or one parent had to stay while the other one went over there. Or, you know, it could be your brother or sister gone. There is no telling. When they came back, things started evolving for, uh, let's say, for instance, Route 66. And the people wanted to go on these traveling journeys and stuff, and they didn't have a, a road to go down, so they built the mother road, Route 66. And then the interstate system started after that. And then my generation was born after that. I was, you know, born in the 60s. I'm a throwback. Um, and a lot of people, I look at the younger folks nowadays, and some of the questions that I've been asked by younger folks, it kind of makes it sound like they thought we had it easy growing up. It was not easy growing up in our time. There was, I mentioned in the last episode, our internet was a black and white TV other than going out and your social media was actually talking to people. You had to talk to the people at the grocery store, any restaurants you, that you favored, you know, you talked to the people there. The various places that you had to go to on your day-to-day -day basis, you actually talked to your neighbors back then. Now you're lucky if you even get to know your neighbors. It was a different kind of time. People were a lot more trusting and there wasn't so much scared about, you know, the coronavirus or uh, I remember when Y2K came out, everybody thought all the computers were going to crash and that there be, we got so dependent on this computer stuff that we weren't going to know what to do. Well, I still have my time life books on how to work on the house. So if the computer ever crashes and my house has a problem, I'm gold. I got the time life series and this is back in the beginning of the 80s. Maybe it's the middle of the 80s. But, you know, we as a throwback, 
we know what to do when the chips are down. We know exactly what to do. A classic example is why I had only been in the printing industry maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. And I was just starting to get to my upper 30s back then when there was a kid that was in his early 20s. He was either 20 or 21. And he got this, this older car. I think it was a 69 uh, Mercury Marauder. And he bragged about that car, how big the engine was, you know, how fast it would go and all this other stuff, man. Well, I was on my way home from work one day. I was going to cash my check because that's what you did back in the day. And there wasn't direct deposit, so to speak. And this kid had a flat tire. And even though I knew he talked crap about me behind my back, I actually pulled over there. And here I am. I'm probably, you know, 37, 38 years old. And this kid is 20 or 21. And I look at him. I said, are you all right? And he said, I have a flat tire. I said, well, why don't you change it? And he said, I've never changed a tire. I don't know how. <laughs> I said, do you have the keys to the trunk? And he said, yeah, they're right here in the ignition. So he gets them out and opens the trunk. And those type of Mercury Marauders had a big old trunk on them. And then it had a mat down. And if you lifted up the mat, there was a little compartment where the spare tire and the jack was. And so he puts the key in, he opens the trunk and he goes, I've already looked in there. There is no spare tire. I said, uh, au contraire, mon frere, the spare tire is right under here. I lift the mat up and there's the little round compartment lid and I pull that off. There's the spare tire with the jack. And he goes, well, I've never seen one of those kind of jacks before. And it was on, it was also this, uh, flat tire was on the back of the car. So <laughs> there were skirts on this car. This car came with skirts on them. You just pulled down on the skirt and they came off. And when you, you know, after you change your tire, you push it back up in there. So he's going on and on like he's amazed and never seen a bumper jack before. And, you know, let alone the space that it fits in with the spare tire. He didn't even know that part of the car existed, man. That was like a secret compartment for him. And he was like, ooh, I got a secret compartment. So anyway, I get out <laughs> the tire and the jack and he goes, so you're going to change this for me? I said, no, I'm going to show you how to change it. So I bust the first couple of nuts loose before I, the lug nuts loose before I get going. I said, now here, you loosen up the other three. So he's trying and trying. This He wasn't a very big kid nor a very strong kid. And I, I kind of took pity on him and he couldn't do it. So I said, here, let me show you a trick. So I showed him the trick where you put the lug wrench on there and you use your leg and then your other hand up underneath your other leg and you bust it free that way. It gives you more support because your legs are stronger. But push came to shove and I was, you know, wanting to get to where the check cashing place was because I want to get home, get cleaned up and go out that night. So I get the tire off, I get, I get it loosened up, then I jack it up and I loosen up all the lug nuts and get it off and I put the new one on there and I go to tighten up the lug nuts and stuff and I'm about to let it down. I said, here's a good place where you can take over now. You have to tighten these before you set it all the way down, not super tight, just get them snug and it has to be the same snugness on each tire. So he gets back over there and he's making an attempt at it. He's doing everything he can. And he, uh, it's becoming difficult for him. So anyway, he gets it on there, <clears throat> gets it done. So I said, now but click the jack down and then jack it down. So back in those days, the bumper jack, you just flip this little lever. Instead of jacking it up, it reversed the motion. You were jacking it down then. And we get the wheel back on the uh, uh, the car back down on the ground. And we put the, the flat tire inside the secret compartment and then get the jack all put up and he's ready to drive off. And I go, whoa, 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 you still have to tighten up the lug nuts. He goes, well, I already did while I was up in there. I said, no, you have to tighten those up. And he goes, well, I don't understand. I said, here, watch. So I put the wrench on there and tightened up two that were across from each other and said, see how much more they tighten? If you'd have driven down the road with the way it was, your tire and wheel would have come off. Then you would have been in a world of hurt. And this is a kid who, who I could tell never preferred me at work because I'm kind of a shiny person and I can't help it. It's just the way I was. And I'm not talking about the job I'm at now. This is like 
you know, when I was in my late thirties. Nonetheless, after we get it tightened down, I showed him how to put the skirt back on and put, I made him put the jack back in and tighten it all back up. And I was like, dude, I'm, I gotta go. I'm, I'm on my way. He goes, Hey man, for, wait a minute. And I go, what's that? He goes, I just wanted to thank you. I said, you're welcome. Well, thank me for what he goes. Well, most people wouldn't have stopped and helped me change the tire. I didn't even know what the tire was. I said, dude, you should never frown on a throwback. You know, I was, I was almost a throwback back then. I say 40 ish is when you start becoming a throwback. I said, you should never frown on a throwback, man. Listen to him. People have valid advice. You would have been stuck on the side of the road if I hadn't said, hey, I know this guy from work. I'm going to go ahead and stop and help him change the tire. And he thanked me again and shook my hand. And then the next week, we were all went out to lunch, man. He ended up buying my lunch and stuff. And I was like, cool. All right. You appreciate the gesture. We didn't have it easy, but we knew what to do when we were growing up. This gentleman was the type of gentleman who people could say was, I don't know, born with a silver spoon in his mouth. The silver spoon never reflected enough of how to get the tire changed in order for him to grab that. And he didn't know. You should thank a throwback for that, man. It wasn't easy growing up. We had to do stuff like that. It wasn't because we wanted to. We had to know how to do it. On Saturday mornings, we were exposed to all this stuff that was really funky. It was post-war period, you know, and like the uh, program MASH came on in the 70s. And uh, there was a lot of the cartoons and stuff that came out. Some of the cartoons we had to watch every day we were like Bugs Bunny. And on the Bugs Bunny show, they had, you know, Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd, who hunted for both of them. If you stop and think about it, it's kind of morbid here. The main star of the show is being hunted by this uh, wabbit hunter, Elmer Fudd, who also will shoot a duck, Daffy Duck. It's sort of a, an irony, man. I mean, this is what the kinds of things they set in motion in our minds and a way to think. We also watched... Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, man. Bullwinkle was a stand-up-on-two-leg-and-walk-around moose. Rocky was a flying squirrel who wore a pilot's cap and could talk. They both could talk. And you were led to believe that, you know, this is kind of the norm. And they were always trying to be uh, outsmarted by the uh, Boris Badenov and Natasha. And, you know, they played these Russian people, so there was always that American-Russian conflict, even in cartoons back then. And, you know, they lived in a place called Frostbite Falls, Minnesota. And I always wondered, man, is there really a Frostbite Falls, Minnesota out there? Surely there's got to be. So even though we were exposed to all this weirdness, man, I remember when Scooby-Doo was brand new. There used to be a cartoon on that Scooby-Doo kind of replaced. It was called The Funky Ghost. This is like 1969, 1970. Men landed on the moon and everything changed all of a sudden. As soon as the man landed on the moon... Everything changed. The whole technology era changed and stuff. And some people say, you know, it's because the UFO landed or whatever. It's because Big, Bigfoot was filmed in, you know, the year 1967. Uh-uh. Things, things were just evolving like crazy back in those days. And I think it's because of the thinking people that we had, you know, we have to give props to them. But there was also the creative people, man, the people who came up with those cartoons like Bugs Bunny. Um, there, there were other cartoons, too, that were, uh, that were on a different channel that were made by uh, a different company. And there was like Wally Gator on there and uh, tux, uh, Tennessee Tuxedo, which was a turtle. Um, then there was, man, there were so many of them, it's hard to remember them all. There was the lion one. Oh, and uh, Dudley Do-Right, the Royal Canadian Mountie from the north. And he'd always say, there's no need to fear. Uh, Dudley Do-Rat is here. It was crazy going, growing up back in those days and all the things that were molding your mind and, you know, getting in there and making it for the way you think. But, excuse me, just one second. Although those times were crazy. And back then, 
you got your ass busted with the belt. If you did something wrong, your butt got worn out with a belt. If it broke, I remember one time we had to go to the store right then, come back, get a brand new belt, come back and take it again because it made the stepdad mad. But, you know, a lot of times if your neighbor caught you doing something, your neighbor would wear you out and then send you home and tell your parents who would then wear you out again. That was just the way it was, man. Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's the era I grew up in. I think it's one reason why I never really chose to have kids because I got worn out so much as a kid that I was afraid as an adult I might do that to somebody. And I chose to go ahead and, you know, make sure that that didn't happen. So, and I'm, I'm comfortable with my decision. And, you know, it's kind of lonely sometimes being out here and being a throwback and not having a bunch of kids rely on. But that's why I turned to the younger people around me. I know that I put on the surf to do certain things. And one of the things is to mentor. You know, I try and mentor to people and try and share uh, thinking outside the box type of thinking. And I also try and share stories that relate to people in certain uh, various stages of their life. Excuse me. It's a fun thing to do, especially since a lot of the old ways are going away. For instance, barbecue. I can't tell you. <laughs> I had never worked at a place that didn't have that had so many people who didn't barbecue in my life until I came to work where I was at now. And I was like, so where do you get your barbecue? You know, and I guess most people go to these barbecue restaurants and stuff, which I rarely do unless somebody really tells me the food is good or if I've driven by there and smelled it because I can smell when the barbecues I've barbecued so much. I'm into the thousands of times barbecuing now and. It could be more than that, man. It's just one of the things that I really enjoy doing. Um, it helped me get through the the tragedy that was my wife, who I was married to, because it was something that I could do that I stuck where the barbecue girl was and where she was sleeping was like probably a distance of 50 or 60 feet. So it was nothing for me to go in and check on her while I was doing the barbecue and stuff. And if the bush comes to shove and she had a need, I just put the lid down on the grill and close the vents up and let it slow, you know, cook just like that. You can thank a throwback for that because my grandma's the one that showed me and she was the ultimate throwback. She was involved in the war. She was a nurse and all that stuff. But um, it wasn't easy for her growing up easy. But for us, it was really a confusing time because of the stuff we were exposed to all the time. Man, there was a cartoon on Saturday morning called Sigmund and the Sea Monster. So this kid is gathering up shells along the beach one day and he, this sea monster rolls up and it looks like a big ball of seaweed. It looked like several things on the cartoons back then. They had the Lidsville cartoon that had uh, a wizard that lived or He looked like a mayor, but he did magic that lived up. Maybe he was an evil magician. And then the town of Lidsville is down below and everybody was a hat. Well, it looked like the same type of thing and made by the same company because this it was like a big it looked like Pac-Man, except three dimensional. And that's the way Lidville, Lidsville did, too. They all had three-dimensional hats with eyes in them and little feet sticking out. And some of them had little tiny arms and stuff. And the evil <laughs> magician was always trying to do stuff, do stuff to these people. And it was kind of an unusual cartoon. I'm like, wonder why the evil guy's trying to mess with the little hat people. Then there was H.R. Puffin stuff. This was a, uh, it was like a live-action show, that, but it was a comedy. It looked like people had done drugs to think of this idea. Here is a magical land with like a magical flute that uh, the wick, there was a witch in here who was trying to mess with these people. And she had uh, uh, these vultures that were her evil mates, you know, like her little monkeys and stuff, her minions, so to speak. And they were always trying to jack with H.R. Puffin stuff, who is the mayor of this town. Um, 
for life of me, I can't remember it now, but it was an odd show. And then this boy falls into their uh, land and doesn't know how to get out. And, and the magical fruit flute is there. He finds on the first day he's there. And I think he, the witch had lost it or something. Anyway, they're always trying to keep this magical flute away from this witch. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> but they have like magic mushrooms in there. Every, everybody, every, all the... Uh, the greenery and the shrubbery and the trees and stuff all talked and <laughs> H.R. Puff and stuff was the mayor. So you think it was easy for us growing up? Here's the kind of stuff we're exposed to. Some of the younger folks nowadays grew up with the phone in their hand. I see people who recently have had babies that already have their own either iPad or, you know, iPhone or, or they have technology in their hand already. I didn't get technology in my hand until, man... It had to have been a couple years ago. <laughs> and it was only because I wasn't trying to deny that I didn't want technology. I liked it and stuff, but I didn't feel like I needed it at the time. But once Terry's condition got a little bit worse, man, I had no choice. I had to get the technology in order that we could stay in contact. So there were several incidences that lead up to that. That was quite a scare for other people that weren't directly involved, but were in her health condition. And there was a couple of scary incidents. I won't go into all of that. But once again, you think it was easy for me growing up? I had to make my own fun. I had to find the internet. I had to be popular at the skating rink, man. You had to go to the skating rink if you wanted to meet women. And I loved to meet women even back in the day. It was one of those things that I was I had the gift of gab. And I always seemed to say the right thing at the right time in order to get these girls to skate with me or hold hands with me or whatever. Because it was a much more innocent time back then. Now everything's so serious with this cyberbullying and all this, you know, social media where people have this texting where people wonder if they sent a bad text or not. And um, it's just it's just crazy. So if you ever want to hear about the good old times, seek out a throwback because the good old times and the good old day, man, I remember them well. I remember every day coming up in the 70s. I remember my mom being a single mom, so we hardly ever ate, but she dated certain people at restaurants, and on certain nights, we would go to those restaurants and eat. And for instance, one of those restaurants was a, a pizza parlor called Shakey's Pizza, and I've loved pizza since I was a kid. And this is probably 1969 or 1970, and my mom goes in there, and she orders a large pizza, and then because she dates the manager, he gives it to her for free. And she said, I know I usually get one pizza, man, but this child right here, and she points to me, said, can he eat a whole pizza by himself? You know, would you mind if we had another pizza? He leaned over the counter, looked down at me and said, this, this one right here, can he eat a whole pizza by himself? And she said, yes. So he, he leaned back over the counter and he said, what kind of pizza would you like, son? I said, Canadian bacon and pineapple, man. I want the golden nugget. And he made it for me. And between uh, my older half brother and my mom, and I think. I don't think the younger brother was born yet. Anyway, they couldn't eat all their pizza. Why eat my whole pizza and then help them eat theirs too? Because I have always had a hollow leg, especially when it comes to excellent food like pizza. You cannot get around a tasty pizza, especially a thin crust, man, with Canadian bacon and pineapple and a little extra cheese and maybe some mushrooms on there. Oh, that's good eating right there. But I just wanted to put the theory to rest that some people think because of the things we can do as a throwback and some of the stuff that we say and the way we're able to think out of the box that we had it easy growing up. And it wasn't. Another going back to the cartoons thing. Here is a wild E coyote after a roadrunner who doesn't say anything. The, the 
Wiley Coyote would think thoughts, but he had a, a contact with the Acme Manufacturing Company, who where he got everything, everything from dynamite to uh, big rocks and uh, uh, rockets and everything. So, and his mission on this cartoon was to get the Roadrunner, and the Roadrunner, who was a simplistic being who could just run fast, outsmarted him every time. And in my head, I'm wondering. Is he going to get that Roadrunner one of these days? Is that going to happen? I kind of like to see that. He's gotten away that Roadrunner so many times. I kind of like to see what happened if he got him. And then I think I saw an episode on The Simpsons. And this was back in the, the 2000s, in the early 2000s or middle 2000s. And they showed <laughs> what happened when the coyote got the Roadrunner. And I was like, yeah, there's a little justice for you, man. Because as a kid... That gave that instilled in me wanting to get have something so bad. It was like a, I don't know, a desire, man. You're going to see things through to make sure that your plan is carried out to success. The coyote's plan wasn't carried out to success, but you want yours to be. And uh, reflecting back upon it over all these years, I'm like, there was a reason we had all those weird cartoons. They wanted us to get ahead, but wanted us to see the failure way to get ahead so we had something how not to do. It was the same thing with me trying to, you know, be a stepdad. I came right into the situation and said, I know exactly how not to be a stepdad, so let's go ahead and go about it like this. But once again, just putting to rest the theory, if you thought we had it easy growing up, man, we were exposed to the oddest, oddest stuff. In the 70s, the disco era came along, man, and they started playing that stuff at like the junior high and the high school dances. And I went to those dances and danced, man. A lot of people wouldn't dance, but once again, I like to fraternize with the ladies. Um, I worked two jobs and uh, I had a little money in my pocket. When it came time to have a car, you've, you've heard this podcast before, you know I had a car. And I like to be around the ladies. I wasn't scared to get out and talk to them and stuff. And as a uh, uh, one of the only guys in school who would come actually come out on the dance floor and dance. Other, I wasn't very good at it, but I was kind of had a little rhythm to me. So other ladies would want to dance with me, man, just because I would get out there and dance and have fun. I was not scared to be scrutinized by anybody because I don't give two craps about what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do my thing. I've always been doing my thing and I'm going to continue doing my thing. You know, once again, you think we had it easy growing up in the 80s, man. One of my favorite movies is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. If you are a Gen X or somebody, let's just say somebody who's never not had a phone in your hand, watch the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It is exactly, I graduated in 1981. It was made in 1981. It was exactly the way it was in high school in 1981 was that. And it was, you know, it was feast or famine, man. You had to be on your toes. You had to make sure that you had your game going and that your toes were tapping. So... Just wanted to say once again, for you younger folks, we learned our lessons. It's the reason we can think outside the box. We have done the things that it takes to be successful in life. We've bumped our head a time or two. We don't want to go back and do those things again because we realize our mistakes now. And sometimes mistakes, man, they're hard to live up to. But if you thought it was because we, we had it easy growing up, think again. If you got out of line at a school, they had what's called a paddle, and it was usually a piece of wood to swat with, and it usually had holes drilled in it, and you would get, you know, 10, 15, 20 swats, depending on how bad it was. And other teachers, you know, would hit you with a belt and stuff. They, There was no holding back. It was spare the rod, spoil the child back then, and we were not going to be spoiled. So once again, no. To answer your question, if you thought we had it easy growing up, no. We did not. 
we were exposed to movies like, in the 80s, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Here are these guys bored outside of a Circle K, and somebody pops up in a phone booth, and it's them, and then goes back down, and they see themselves. Well, uh, they figure out they need to get in the phone booth, and they start traveling through time. As they're traveling through time, they are kidnapping historical figures in time so that they can come back and do a positive report at their San Dimas High School. Uh, it's some sort of thing that's part of their grade. In order for them to graduate for high school, they have to do good. So they kidnap all these historical figures, including Abraham Lincoln and Genghis Khan, and bring them back to the high school and give them a presentation. Now, that doesn't leave you wondering... And there's getting ready to be another movie coming out that's a Bill and Ted's adventure. So be on the lookout for that. I'm kind of curious if it's as good as the first. If you have not seen that movie, if you're one of those people who hasn't ever not had a phone in their hand, watch these movies. Watch it just to get a kick out of it. Watch Weird Science. Here's another fantastic movie. But I'm going to talk about that in a, a little bit later venture. So I think I pretty much spoke and got my point across that no, if you thought we had it easy growing up, no, we did not. It was very tough. It was not easy at all. You had to really be on your game. So I'm going to end it with that. I'd just like to say like, follow, or share. And thank you very much for listening. If you know somebody who could use the message that I'm sending, please go ahead and share this with them and let them hear it. So for that right there, I'm going to say go ahead and please have a nice day.